to Fake Podcast Music. Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. And you know what I want to say? If you played a drinking game for every time I said um, somebody would vomit. And that's not including the ums you take out. So today I have Dorothy Tybersky's disappearance. What do you have? I have the Michigan Triangle, which I will repeatedly refer to as the Michigan Bermuda Triangle. Because for some reason I cannot leave Bermuda out of it. Yeah. But it's just the Michigan Lake Triangle. Okay, why don't you tell us about it? All right, I don't want to get you too pumped, but... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Lake Michigan is on the west side of the state. It's about 400 miles long. Like any giant, you know, fucking lake, it has things like sunken ships, down planes, ghost ships, fireballs in the sky. And the Michigan Triangle in particular is located from Ludington to Benton Harbor, Michigan. And then across to Wisconsin, across the lake to Wisconsin to form the triangle. In 1981, a wooden three-masted schooner named the Thomas Hume disappeared from Chicago to Muskegon. It was actually a pretty big boat. It was 132 feet long and it was 26 feet wide. And if you in any way look up Michigan Triangle, this is the first thing they're going to mention. The story's not that eerie, but here we go. I don't want to, (laughs) like, ruin everything, but I'm going to ruin everything. They were hauling lumber to Chicago from Grand Rapids. They were with another ship called the um, Roos Simmons and the Roos Simmons turned back to Chicago when they hit a squall but the Thomas Hume kept going north. You read a lot of articles that say the Thomas Hume was lost forever but there is one where I found it shows that they did find it so I don't know if it's lost forever. Also, I don't think it's that great of a mystery that a boat was sunken during a storm. Yeah, like they went into it. Yeah, so I'm not... It's like a 50-50 chance at that point. Yeah, so I don't understand that's why, like, a mysterious sinking on the lake, considering that um, it's not that mysterious that you would sink during a storm. Mm -hmm. Okay, but... If you, and not very smart. And not smart. You turn around, went home. Yeah, the dudes that turned around lived. If that's if there's a moral to the story, it's like, don't try to be a boss, just turn around. I did read, and there's only one account, so let me just say, this might in no way be true. There was one account where, uh, in the summer after the wreck, a bottle had washed ashore with a faded note that said they were on the Thomas Hume, and the ship would not hold out much longer. It didn't say, you know, who wrote the note, but I was just wondering, like... Where's the note now? Where's the note now? Who wrote it? Whatever happened to it? Why only one time, one mention? Of course, there's another sinking ship that's involved in a lake with a known triangle. All right, in 1921, the Roosevelt was found overturned. There were 9 to 11 people that had disappeared off of it. Um, They were all members of the Benton Harbor House of David, which is a religious commune slash cult in Benton Harbor, Michigan, which is the last point of the Michigan Triangle. It was bringing lumber from High Island, which the cult owned, to Benton Harbor when it capsized in a gale. So we have another boat capsizing during a storm. Yeah, I'm thinking that's what's going on. So far, the Michigan Triangle, not too spooky. So it's boats capsizing during storms. Although the one thing I would say is odd, there were reports that said it looked like it had been damaged in a collision, but no other wrecks were found and no other accidents were reported and no other boats 
you know, came up missing at that time. But the Coast Guard said uh, they believed it had sp uh, sprung a leak and rolled over. But people who said the damage said that the damage was too extensive for something like that. The ship itself had Maybe been... Maybe they just had a shitty boat. Yeah. Well, check this out. Because it had already been wrecked before. Yeah, there you have it. Yeah, in the 1800s. And, but after this, they beached it and salvaged it for lumber. Which even then, you build a house with a ship that's wrecked twice. You know, that, that fucker would probably fall down or yeah, burn up. There. Something yeah. awful. Yeah. Right? Okay, so here's one that is could be sort of more mysterious if you don't believe that your fellow sailors are murderers. April 28, 1937, Captain George R. Donner disappeared from a locked cabin. Um, after he was guiding his ship through the icy waters of the Straits of Mackinac, he went to rest for three hours, and when a crew member went to alert him that they were nearing a port, he didn't answer the door. They broke in, and the room was empty, and he looked around inside, and they said they find no clues. But I was like, I don't know, how hard did you look? Like, Yeah, and who did you talk to? And what kind of clue are you looking for? Because somebody murdered him and then locked his door and shut it. Exactly. And I'm sure Sherlock Holmes or someone else would have a way of jimmying the lock, you know, open and closed from the outside. Maybe he was a jerk and the whole entire crew just banned against him. That's true. Murdered him, threw him overboard. Yeah. Or nobody's paying attention. One dude throws him over and they just sail on. Hey, day is done. Everybody, what happened? We don't know. We didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that could have been that way. Um, not scary, but more tragic. And part of the triangle was in 1950, Northwest Flight um, 2501 disappeared after crashing into Lake Michigan. There were 58 people on board. At the time, it was the deadliest commercial airliner accident in American history. So that wasn't, um, a, that wasn't a good record for us to have. No. No. Not at all. Um, so the plane's never been found. The lake is big, but Lake Michigan is not the biggest. But I guess it's never been found. The plane fell from uh, radar range after the pilot requested a descent uh, to about, I can't remember. So I either wrote 25,000 or 2,500. And since I don't understand airplanes, I can't confidently <laughs> say which one. So just know that um, <clears throat> he came low <laughs> after a severe electrical storm and uh, they had high velocity winds. Two hours after the plane's last communication, two police officers um, in Wisconsin reported seeing strange a strange red light hover over the lake and then disappear after 10 minutes. So some say the plane may have been lost to a UFO. Okay. I can see that. Others say that the lights were from the plane before it was fully submerged. So planes have red lights. It has a red light on it. That makes sense. Yeah. It's on top of the water. You yeah. can see the light. After 10 minutes, it gets so deep in the water, you can't see anymore. And now you can't find anyone because they're at the bottom. Light disappears. Mm -hmm. Bingo. There's video from the Travel Channel about this flight and the triangle, mm -hmm. which we should probably put in the show notes. Yeah, we can link it. Yeah. I'll need to find that real quick. Here are the causes why. I'm going to say hypothesis because nobody's really sure. Okay. Okay, ready. An ancient rock formation on the floor of the lake found in 2007. It's a 40-foot ring similar to the arrangement of Stonehenge, and one stone on the outside seems to have carvings that resemble a mastodon. Now, I just want to say I did see what they showed to be like an aerial map of this. Um, it looked like three piles of stones to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But I don't have an architect's eye, or I'm not an archaeologist, and mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, just I'm it's also, a pile of rocks. I'm just gonna throw that out there. It looked like a pile of rocks to the untrained eye. Okay. 
Yes. So it could be UFOs. There are personal accounts of UFOs on Lake Michigan. Bright lights being seen in the sky. I did watch some Lake Michigan videos and it did look creepy as shit to me, which we could also put in the show notes. But I thought it looked um, real and crazy. They look like a, a row of lights uh, and they seem to be stationary for a long time and then they start to move in like formation. And they happen every night? Um, no, I think this was like a one-time gig. A one-time gig. There could be a time-bending portal. People have reported time speeding up or slowing down when you're in the triangle or a feeling of an ease. Like you feel like you've been traveling for six hours and you pop out and it's been ten minutes. Or you feel like you've been traveling, you know, for six days and you pop out at the same time miles up the lake or something. Oh, I just want to point out. Yeah. You have Wisconsin. Yeah. Breweries. Yeah. Beer drinkers. Beer drinkers. Then yeah. up Benton Harbor, Traverse yeah. City. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Wineries. Wineries. Drunk winos. So. Traveling. Time could be slowing down for them. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just Enough saying. Enough beer wines. You need... can bend time. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be like some type of um, alcoholic wine time bending. Sometimes I say that when I go back to my bottle of wine and there's nothing left. Oh. Like what happened? Exactly. Like you lost time there. Yeah. Do you go to Lake Michigan? No. Have you, yeah. I've been there once. Oh, really? Yeah, to the sand dunes. Which ones? Sleeping Bear Dunes. You might be in the triangle. Holy moly. I don't know. I don't know enough about Michigan, I'm ashamed to say. Actually, I have no sense of direction. You could put me in a room with one door and I can't find my way out. <laughs> like, seriously, I, I have no sense of direction. It's not... It's not that I don't understand Michigan geography. It's that I don't understand geography. <laughs> uh, also, th this is my personal theory. <laughs> this shit happens because of extreme weather and high winds. We can have 75 mile per hour winds out on the lake. That's actual fucking waves. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and lightning, throw that on, some hail, maybe some, you know... Also, here's some weird shit that's gone down on the lake, though. In 1919, people in Michigan, Illinois, and Indiana saw a bright light in the sky over southern Lake Michigan. Two large balls of fire fell into the lake, exploding on impact. And after that, there was a deep, prolonged rumbling, and there were earthquakes. So I'm thinking alien landing or just meteor. Yeah. Yeah, but it'd be cooler if it was alien landing, right? Yeah, and that's cool. the moment of impact, and that's when they start to, like, assimilate. And take over. Yeah. So, I'm thinking... Yeah. Just bad decisions. Yeah. You know, people being lost. Yeah. Bad decisions. Should have went home. Yeah, turned around. Turned around. Go home. Yeah. You know, be a sissy. It's okay. It's okay. And it's probably a meteor. It's probably a meteor. But it would be better if it was alien, though. I understand what it probably is, <laughs> but I also know what it would, it would be, better. be better. Yeah. Better. Or in 1883, a tug named Mary McLean was working just out of Chicago, which is off of Lake Michigan, and at about 6 p.m., the crew said large blocks of ice, I mean as large as bricks, fell for about 30 minutes from a cloudless sky. The ice put dents in the deck, like, so real visible damage that people could see later. So I think that's more convincing. Yeah, that's convincing. And the crew also stored a two-pound chunk, which they had in an ice box. So just know that <laughs> creepy shit has happened on Lake Michigan. To go with yours, I found information on the Paulding Lights. 
Okay. Which is in Bruce Crossing, west side of the Upper Peninsula. There are mysterious circular sphere-shaped lights in the woods. They appear to run along the electric lines and are seen to be red, white, and green. Okay. The lights appear only at night, and they're rumored to either be a ghost of a railroad brakeman who died stopping an oncoming train, or an Indian dancing on the power lines. Okay, so what are my options again? (laughs) (laughs) A brakeman. Okay. Or an Indian dancing. Okay. I'm going to vote not number two. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) Yeah. Michigan State students had went up there to investigate the lights, and they believe the lights are produced actually by headlights of cars on a nearby street reflecting off road signs. Oh, okay. So that's why. Well, okay. So what about, that's white. Oh, that's green. That's red. Oh, I see. That's all the colors. I'm like, red bright lights, (laughs) white headlights, and the green from the, like, exit signs or whatever. Something. Uh, very crazy. I have Dorothy Tiberski disappearance. Dun, 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 dun. She disappeared? She disappeared at the age of 37 in 1985. Oh, man, let's take it back to the 80s. She probably had big hair. Yeah. Probably curled back a little bit down in the front. Probably crazy, crazy times. Yeah, crazy times. So Dorothy's husband reported her missing... The police investigated, and they couldn't solve the mystery. So the case went cold until 1989. Okay, what happened? One of their daughters said to have had repeated nightmares about her mother being in a place she couldn't move. She remembered the freezer in their home had not been used since her mother's death because no one could locate the key. It just all of a sudden went up missing. Okay. She decided to break into the freezer and check out what was inside. What she found was her mother's body. Okay, so let me get this right. This is years later, right? Years later. She keeps having nightmares about her mom being in a place that she can't move. Yep. And she, it makes her think about the freezer. Yep. That's right. And she realizes nobody's been in the freezer because... They, they can't find the key. key. Yep. Lost and she finally says, like, fuck it, I'm going to break the lock. Yep, I'm going to pry it open. I'm going to take a look-see. So she takes a look-see all on her own? Yep, all on her own. She's by herself. She's by herself right here in the Ooh, basement. Uh, oh. Opens it up. There's her mother's frozen body. Does her dad still live there? Her dad lives there, and she has a sister, age 16. She's upstairs in the house. The 16-year-old is? Yeah, when she opens it, her father's not there. And how old is she? She's in her 20s. Okay. I believe she was in her 20s. She was a student at Michigan State University at the time. Oh, okay. So the daughter who found the body got her 16-year-old sister, and they went to the police station to report what she had found. The police obtained a warrant and arrested Mr. Tybersky for the murder of his wife. He did admit to killing his wife during an argument and keeping the body in the freezer because he didn't want to part with his wife. Okay, so he got into a fight and killed her. Mm-hmm. But he loved her so much he wanted to keep her nearby, so he put her dead body in the freezer. Because he didn't want to part with her. Okay. Didn't want to let her go. Okay. I would say more you don't want to go to jail. It sounds more like you don't want to go to jail. Yeah. 
Yeah, because if you don't want to part with someone, you usually keep them alive. Yeah. That's how, yeah. So the crazy part is Mr. Tyberski was a dean of students at a high school in Detroit. What? Yeah. I bet those kids just were like, did you hear about Mr. Tyberski? Yeah. He killed his wife and kept her in the freezer for years. <laughs> I'm sure the school wasn't too happy about Holy this. shit, right? So Tyberski claimed he suspected his wife of having affairs with multiple men. Tensions in their Canton Township <gasps> home. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. You know Canton. I do know Canton. Got worse when their oldest daughter's boyfriend moved in. It was claimed that Dorothy would flirt and proposition him. What? Mm -hmm. So the he they have a daughter. The daughter's boyfriend moves in the house, mm -hmm. and he thinks that his wife Dorothy, who's sleeping around, is now also trying to get young buck here. Yep. Ooh. Yep. Tyberski was said to have throttled his wife, slammed her head eleven times into the basement pole, and then locked her in the freezer. Okay, so throttled is a nice way of saying choke the shit out of somebody. Mm -hmm. So he choked the shit out of her and slammed her head into a pole 11 times. 11 times. A little bit of anger there? Yeah. A little pissed. angry? Yeah. A little bit of anger. Just a little. Yeah. He pled guilty to second degree murder after his conviction was overturned on a technicality. And I could not figure out what the technicality was. You tried? I've yeah. done that before. And he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. He was released in 1999. After he got out of prison, he lived off his school pension and actually still had a relationship with his two daughters. He has since passed away. In an article, he had stated that, you know, he did his time and that he was, even though he was out of prison, he felt like he was still in prison because he moved to Pennsylvania, lived with his parents who were ill and had to take care of them and i just felt like that's kind of a shitty thing to say i just thought you might have done your time but you did very little time for the fact that you killed another person yeah and you then robbed your children of their mother and kept her in the freezer on top of the hamburgers oh my goodness gracious yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And then you have to go take care of your parents. Like, do you know how many people have had to take care of their parents? You don't get a lot of sympathy for that one. Yeah. I think it's all messed up. That is messed the up. The guy's a nutcase, and I wonder if he killed anybody else. Because if you can murder your wife. Yeah. Choke her. Ram her head into a pole 11 times. Yeah. Live with her body in a freezer in your basement for four years. I'm thinking you could do other things. Oh, you know what that makes me think? Do you think the reason why he maintained a relationship with his daughters is because he's very controlling? Like, if he, did, if he did beat her that bad, maybe he's the type that just had them under his control due to fear anyway. I don't think you could, he would still have control of them. So I think he, maybe it's your dad or something, so you, you know. Kind of put up with it. Or, you, you know, there are people forgive. I just think if my dad, you know, murdered my mom, I'm not forgiving him. Yeah. And I'd be afraid that he was going to murder me. Yeah. So. Well, I would think unless my mom was like a terrible person, though. If my mom was like an awful person, like maybe she was abusive to me, yeah, like I guess I'd be cool with my dad murdering her. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> just great. saying. No. Just saying. Like, if I you, think some things can be forgiven. I don't, I don't like think they're But I'll give them credit. Yeah. I mean, they're strong, strong 
you know? Yeah. Well, just think, like, if your dad was, like, really abusive and then your mom just capped him one day. Like, when he'd taken it too far. I just, no. Oh, really? No. Uh, I'd be like. It's still not right. Oh, shit. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm like, (laughs) No. I'm just like, holy shit. No. No. Oh, dear. Okay. Okay. I'm like, are you now afraid of me in the zombie apocalypse? (laughs) You shouldn't be. I am going to be. Well, maybe just a little bit. (laughs) No, just joking. All right. You've been listening to Michigan and um, Other Mayhem with Allie and Jen. Connect with us at michiganandothermayhem.com. To join the conversation, access the show notes, find site links, correct us when necessary, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Bye-bye.